our lives, Kim and, and myself, um, for many, many years, more years than we want to admit at this point. But um, we're thankful for their ministry. And uh, I just want to encourage us to open up our hearts to what God wants to say to us, what God wants to do in our lives um, this morning and once again this evening. Uh, we've been praying for Robin. She had quite a bout uh, with COVID this past spring, I guess it was. And um, so she's not yet singing for us, but we're going to pray the next time she's back, she'll be singing again uh, for us. Amen, church. And so, um, so but we continue to pray a complete healing over her body. And so, Greg, why don't you come and share with us this morning what God has placed on your heart? Can you give Greg and Robert a, a welcome this morning? Pastor Tim, thank you so much. And Kim, can I ask you to go back and just play something soft, something that I've written would be great. Thank you so much. I've written nothing, but I enjoy saying that. Thanks, Pastor Tim, for letting us be here this morning, and, and uh, thank you for praying for my beautiful bride, and uh, I'm glad that she's with me in church this morning, and she's going to be not singing anymore, but more of a hip-hop rap kind of a deal. That's going to be all right. And, um, but, you know, I've asked Kim to come back. I'm going to go to the Word in a moment, and for the, the tech people, I'm going to do those pictures tonight. I want to think I forgot something, but I really believe that Jesus wants to heal somebody right now in this room. I sense it during the worship, and I, I just believe it. It's amazing what God can do in a moment. But we make space for God to move. God's faithful to move in those moments. I remember in one church, I was on the platform of the church, and it was over to my left, over at, I forget what church it was, it doesn't matter, but there was a, this, this big guy, you know, just uh, like a just rugged guy, and he had his hand up in the air, and almost like uncomfortably up in the air. And I mean, just like reaching for the stars, and and uh, he was sobbing with his hand up in the air and, and, um, and just weeping. And people were getting touched and healed. And, but it, it became so pronounced. And what he was doing, I just said, brother, what, what's happening to you right now? And I'll never forget, through tears, he said, he said, I'm a construction guy. I'm a builder. He said, years ago, I crushed my shoulder in an accident. He says, been frozen for years. And he said, during the service, I felt the heat of God's presence in my shoulder. And he said, I, I haven't done this for years. And he said, I don't want to stop. It, it just feels so good. He said, Greg, is it a big deal when God heals your shoulder? It is when it's your shoulder. I remember when one woman at a church in Pennsylvania, she said, look at my feet. Kind of an odd request. And I just awkwardly looked down at her feet. Whatever, what are you going to do? And, and she didn't notice anything. And I, I said, I, I, I don't. So I've got two shoes on. And she said, I haven't worn two shoes in months at work. A forklift uh, uh, accident. And her foot was damaged and nerve damage. And she said it was all these, these medications. And uh, the pain it was going up my leg. And it was an agony. She said, Jesus healed my foot last night. Is it a big deal when the Lord heals your foot? It is when it's your foot. I remember in one church in Romania, off to my, again, to my left. Maybe this morning it's everybody for the left. I don't know. And, um, but there was a woman just screaming, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And just over and over and over and over. And, and God was moving in this church in a, a city in Romania. It, it turns out the woman that was screaming was born uh, uh, deaf and mute. And that night at an altar, Jesus popped open both ears. And Jesus set her tongue free. And her first word she said with a name that's above every other name, the name of Jesus. So why can't God heal you right now? 
an issue for some, not I know not you, but some think, well, Greg, if, I, if it's my, my lucky day and whatever, if the Lord's in the mood, I've got great news. Ever since they beat the back of Jesus Christ, he's always in the mood to heal somebody. By his stripes, you have already been healed. We're not going to take a lot of time with this, but I just believe in a moment God can touch someone's life and, and God can heal a broken body, a broken mind, a broken heart, a broken dream. But as your faith is, so be it unto you. I'm not going to call you up front, but there's something about a physical response to a spiritual decision. And if you say, Greg, you know what, I'm here this morning, and yeah, that's me. I, I, I could use a miracle. I need a, a good news to, to, to receive a miracle. You first have to need a miracle. So if you're in the house and say, you know what, right now, I, I could sure use a healing in my body, a, a healing in whatever area. All I'm going to ask, if that's you, to quickly stand where you are right now. Let faith rise up in you. Say, Greg, I could use a miracle right now. Just pop up to your feet right now and say, Greg, it's me. I need a miracle of God. And we're going to believe the power of God to touch you this morning. How many of God's in this house? How many believe that? Uh, we're not coming to worship a historical Jesus. We've come to worship the living Jesus who's alive and loose in this room. If somebody's around you and you want to go next to them, put a hand to them gently, great. But if not, let's all lift up hands all over this house, especially those that stood for a miracle. I'm going to pray a prayer right now, and we're going to expect and we're going to believe for the power of Jesus to flow through your body and give you the miracle you thought you maybe never, never would know. Let's go to prayer right now. And we can all lift our voice if you want to. Father, I'm asking you now for miracles in this room. Lord, not hype, but I pray your power to literally flow in this room. I come against sickness and disease. I come against injuries. I pray that you'll touch hearts and livers and kidneys and backs and hips. Open up an eye that cannot see. Unstop an ear that cannot hear. Would you right now work a miracle? Would you take away profound pain right now? That's for somebody. That pain has, 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 has brought you to a place you thought you'd never get up, but Jesus is washing away pain right now in the name of Jesus. Miracles in bodies right now. I lift up injuries. I pray, Father, for knees and ankles and, and elbows and shoulders. Miracles in bodies right now. Lord, every cancer, I speak to cancer to bow right now to the name of Jesus. Every tumor, every ounce of cancer, we cast you out in the name of Jesus and, and pray healing to flow all over this room. Now, Lord, touch broken bodies, touch broken minds. I come against depression right now. I come against fear. I come against debilitating fear, Father, and, and trauma. And would you right now, would you wash that mind clean? I pray for peace. I pray you'll bring back joy. I come against every attack of the devil against your joy. I pray bring back joy unspeakable and full of glory. So, Lord, right now, we lift up our hands and we receive by faith the miracle right now in the name of Jesus. And I pray throughout this service for healings to manifest from miracles in bodies, miracles in marriages, miracles in every situation. And we're going to be so careful, Lord, to give you all the praise. 
Can we take 30 seconds and do nothing but lift our voice and praise Him all over this room? Come on. Come on, Shrewsbury. Let's thank Him out loud right now. Let's thank Him out loud right now. Let's give God a praise right now. Let's give God glory right now. We worship you, Jesus. I come on, 15 more seconds. I thank you right now. I worship you right now. I praise you right now. I love you, Jesus. We thank you for every miracle. And we're believing that tonight, in the days ahead, that testimonies are going to roll into this church office. That Jenna will take call after call of miracle testimonies that Jesus healed my body. He touched my life. And we're going to give you all the praise. We're going to give you all the glory. The Lord continue to heal throughout this service. Continue to move all over this room. And we'll thank you for it now. In Jesus' name. And everyone said one more time, come on, amen. Can we give one big old hand clap all over this house? I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your presence, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Kim, for playing so beautiful. You can be seated. If you want to stand all night, that's okay, all morning. In Zimbabwe, they stand the entire service, about three or four hours. How many are glad you're in a Christian pew this morning? Come on, there's nothing. Don't feel guilty. Aren't you grateful? Thank you so much for being here this morning. And um, I want to mention about tonight's service. I can't wait for 6.30. Jesus is alive at 6.30 p.m. in Shrewsbury, New Jersey. Amen. And so I want to encourage you to bring somebody. I talked to the local police department. You can kidnap people as long as you bring them to this building tonight. And I'm um, just kidding in case you're a visitor and just freaking out, whatever. But anyway, tonight I'm going to be speaking on something that, that I've been, this Lord's put on me in recent days. Something that I've never really addressed ever in all of our years of traveling, and that is the ascension of Jesus Christ. We talk about Good Friday, the cross, crucifixion. Of course, this resurrection Sunday, Jesus rose up from the dead. Then we often go fast forward 50 days to Pentecost. But 40 days after the resurrection, 10 days before Pentecost, was the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. And said, Greg, well, that's awesome. But how does that affect me in New Jersey uh, during a crazy time we're living in? The blessings of the ascension are off the charts amazing. And so we're going to talk about how the ascension impacts how we live every day. And so if you're in the mood for bad news, discouraging news, I, I beg you to not come to tonight's service. If you want good news, you want hope, and say, Greg, I just want something to latch onto in the day we're living in. Uh, tonight's your night. So bring somebody, invite somebody, and I'm already looking forward to a great, great, great Sunday night. Hey, I want to go to God's Word this morning. It's a basic Bible. It's going to be quite a chunk of Scripture, but I promise too much Bible won't hurt anybody in the room. We believe that, right? But I know what time, but it's Pastor Tim said, Greg, we normally end Sunday morning about three-ish, so we're going to get, I'm only kidding you. We're done in a few moments. It's Genesis chapter 6, if you have a Bible. Genesis chapter 6, and, and I'm going to begin at verse number 9, and uh, read a chunk. It's in just uh, uh, one of the most famous Bible stories in, in, uh, in all the world. Genesis 6, at verse 9. Here's what the Word says in a gorgeous, another steaming hot day in Shrewsbury, New Jersey. It goes like this. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at that time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. 
and he observed all the corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, decide to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I'll wipe them all out along with the earth. These are some big words of verse 14. Build a large boat from cypress wood, waterproof with tar inside and out. Then construct decks, installs through its outer interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the door, not several doors, there's only one door on the ark, that'll preach. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. Look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die. But I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and a female, uh, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. This is a miracle. Verse 20, pairs of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of animal that scurries along the ground, here's the miracle, will come to you. If you don't think that's a miracle, you try petting a squirrel in your backyard. They're going to come to you to be kept alive. And be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all the animals. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. Genesis 7 verse 21 says this. All the living things on earth died. Birds, domestic animals, and animals, small animals that scurry along the ground, and all the people. Everything that breathed and lived on dry land died. God wiped out every living thing on the earth. People, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and the birds of the sky, all were destroyed. Here it is. The only people who survived were Noah and those with him in the boat. One more passage, Luke 17, 26. It says this. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings. Right up to the time that Noah entered the boat, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Basic Bible. Noah in the ark. Uh, Robin grew up in church. I didn't, but most of us to some degree have been uh, uh, confronted or have heard about the story of Noah in the ark. And this morning, our focus is simple. The days of Noah, the decision of Noah, and the deliverance of Noah. Uh, You and I this morning, folks, do not need to be Bible scholars to understand that we're living in the days of Noah right now. How many believe that Jesus is about to bust through those clouds and bring us home forever and ever and ever? I've got four of us. No, there's more of us. Jesus is coming back again. And so the Bible tells us, Jesus said this, that when the Son of Man comes back, it'll be like it was in Noah's day or the days of Noah. What was it about the days of Noah that resembled our days? I'm glad you asked. Uh, For one thing, the multiplication of people. It says from that time, people began to multiply on the earth. Right now on earth, roughly seven and a half billion people on the face of the earth. Uh, In in the year 2000, just 21 years ago, there was roughly six billion people on the earth. So in 20 years, uh, we have accelerated to another billion and a half people. Why is that happening? Because you're living in the days of Noah. Not only because of the multiplication of people, but more corruption. When God looked at the earth back in Noah's day, he said the earth is full of corruption. 
that, that no one's doing living righteous sin. It, it teaches us how we observe the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently in totally evil. We're there right now. This is where we are. Friends, you cannot go throughout a day and, and even watch evening news without it being blatant in your face. The moral corruption is sweeping the face of the earth where we're living right now. And we see it every day. Uh, when Paul wrote to our young Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he talked about difficult times in the last days. And, but then Paul said something. He said, the day's coming, and it's here, where nothing is going to be sacred. Uh, now, friend, I'm not looking to ruin somebody's morning, but we're living in an hour. We've got some people telling three-year-olds, you can choose whether you're male or female. Can I just say it this morning? Pat is much more eloquent than I. That is from the pit of hell itself. Uh, the wickedness and the corruption that now is off the charts. And we don't need to belabor this. We see this and it's getting more blatant. It's more in our face than it's ever been before. I mentioned last night at the, at the uh, wonderful time at the Hagemans and uh, with, the, with the married couples about uh, holding on to right things. And, and it's going to be more critical than ever that the church holds on to the teachings of Scripture. That we don't let go of Scripture in the face of what the world's telling us to believe. It's a more corruption. It's all over. Also, violence is everywhere. It says in Genesis 6, he saw that the earth was corrupt and was filled with violence. We see that. We watched it last year on the evening news, the cities of America that are burning down. And the looting and the problems. And we can get into different areas and, you know, different sides of things. But violence is everywhere. It's where we are. You say, Greg, well, thank you for the good news in the summer morning. We're living in the days of Noah church. And so we see the violence everywhere and all that's happening. And, and then believers in the minority, when, when, the, when we look at the flood, we see this in Genesis 6 about the importance of even as a minority, as far as believing, that we don't let go of our faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Because Paul said the day's coming, the days of Noah. And Paul said to Timothy, there'll be people that depart from the faith. Don't become somebody's sermon illustration. Man, they, they once walked with God. They once were like a Noah. But, man, the world got kind of crazy, and they, they kind of blended in. Let's be on fire for Jesus and live for God like never, ever before. And so it's basic Bible. We are living in the days of Noah right now. These are the last days. Uh, these, uh, my friend, I believe Gabriel is smacking his lips ready to sound that trumpet. Jesus is soon going to come back to bring us home. But then there's the decision of Noah. Now, this is amazing because Noah had already made a decision to live righteous and blameless. But now he makes a decision to be obedient. When God saw the wickedness on the face of the earth, God said to Noah, I want you to build a large boat. We read later on in our scripture reading that Noah did everything exactly as the way God commanded him to build that boat. And in the building of the ark, the building of the ark that Noah built that took 120 years, we have a beautiful picture of the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, I get this. Robin, go up. Robin got saved at his kids' camp. 
uh, years ago when she was nine years of age. It was only a couple of years back in. But she got saved at nine years of age through a ventriloquist. You know what I mean by the guys that are dumb? Hi, my name is Chester. I'm a bad ventriloquist. And uh, I was at a youth or, or an evangelist conference, and this, this evangelist w- was there. She talked about, he's an older guy, retired at the time. I walked up and said, I said, man, I said, you, you led my wife to Jesus. She was nine years old at a kid's camp, and you're telling Bible stories, Noah and the ark and, and all the, and, and you had your little, your, your dumb, whatever. I said, it's like a kind of ironic. She got saved through a dummy, then she married a dummy. So there's like a, like a, a theme through Robin's life, so keep her in prayer. But Noah and the ark. It's, we, we look at this amazing story. Noah, it's kind of cutesy. You got the animals, man. You got the squirrels coming up, you know, male and female. And you got lions and tigers and bears. I love this church. You, know, you got all the animals. You got elephants. What, yeah, all the animals, they came to know. What a miracle that was. We have a chipmunk outside of our house. There's two of them. I think they're both demon-possessed. I really do. I, I just, just they're driving me crazy. But I can't get near those things. I caught one of them in one of those have-a-heart traps. I, I caught one of them. I was also going to kill him and send him to heaven, but I, I, I was going to bring him to a park and show him the promised land, but out of our backyard. And I'm holding the thing. I caught him in front of a neighbor, and I forgot when the thing went down to put the and the thing jumped out right in front of me and ran back where it was before. I cannot catch that crazy thing. And so we think of Noah and the Ark. Kind of fun, kind of cute, and I get it for the kids. We have to make it where they can understand it, not be too harsh. And the animals, and you got the bears, and you got the, there come the pandas, and you know, Noah. But I want to say this there's actually nothing cute about the, the ark. I don't think it gets any more sobering than this. We, we are living in the days of Noah right now. And I get this, and no offense, I'm, I'm small potatoes, I talk too fast, kind of obnoxious, I already know that. Uh, but I read the church growth books, keep it short, keep it snappy, keep it light. For heaven's sakes, don't be too serious. Here's the problem. We're living the days of Noah. Time is ticking, church. And so God says you need to build a boat now. And in building the ark we're seeing this picture of Jesus, and the lessons in the ark are incredible. And just a couple of them. The first lesson, that the ark was a perfectly timed place of refuge. God said, Noah, I'm ready to wipe out the earth, but I want you to first build me an ark, and you and your family get inside of it. The ark was perfectly timed. I'm looking at people breathing in the room this morning. I don't know your story when God saves you, but let me take a guess. I bet God saves you at just the right time. I bet you look back at your life and, and say, man, I, Greg, I remember I was lost and he saved me at just the, how many can say that God saved you at just the right time? Come on. It's all over the Bible. It's in Romans 5, 6. It says when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for our sinners. He writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2.6. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world. It says at just the right time. In 2 Corinthians 6.1, it says as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and that ignore it. 
For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I help you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. How many are glad God saved you at just the right time? At just the right time, God rescued you. And God has a history of rescuing people at just the right time. This is what God does. Uh, some folks ask me, I'm going to show some pictures tonight about what God's doing around the world. And even during a pandemic, God's moving in his power. The pandemic didn't shut down Jesus for one day. And some folks ask us, and I'm not making, I get the question, but they'll say, well, you know, what is God doing in India, in Romania, in Zimbabwe? What is he doing? He's seeking and saving lost people. He's rescuing people. He's getting folks on the boat, as it were. And he does it at just the right time. I remember being at a church. Honey, am I yelling too much this morning? Am I yelling a little bit? Maybe a little bit? Tone it down just a tad. Okay, 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 okay. We're in Boston for some meetings, and a guy came up after a service, you're live streaming, so we'll call him Kevin this morning. His name is actually Kevin, by the way. And um, so this guy, come, Kevin, comes up in his mid-20s, sharp guy, and he comes up and he says, Brother Greg, he said, man, enjoy being in church today. And he said, man, he said, my story. He said, Jesus Christ changed my life. I'll take a fresh testimony over gossip any day of the week. How about you? I know some people hear gossip, they foam at the mouth, and they just love it like choice morsels. There's nothing like a powerful salvation testimony. Don't ever let your story get old. Somebody shout amen. Come on. Uh, so I said, Kevin, how, how, how did he save you? How did he save you? He said it was some, I said, I want to know. He said, man, he said for years. My family just would pray for him because he said I was a crack addict for years. He said in Boston, I would do well for a while, but then I would go on these, these crack binges, and I ended up in crack houses, abandoned, condemned homes, and uh, with, with, with filthy mattresses and couches and, and, and mice and rats and syringes and full of people I never, I, I didn't know, but we, we, we'd go there and get, we'd just be strung out on drugs for days. He said it was on a Friday night during one of my bad stretches. He said, I'm lying on a couch in a crack house in Boston. When a voice spoke to me, and the voice said, Kevin, get up right now. He said, well, you're Greg, he says, I've heard, I've heard lots of voices, and I, I, I was, I was, it wasn't like new. I, I've heard lots of voices, and so I, I said, Kevin, what, I said, what did you do? He said, I got up. The voice said, Kevin, get up. But the voice then began to give details. The reason I read that, that entire passage said, you know, 450 feet long and 75 feet wide and 45, 18-inch pitch, God is a God of details. When it comes to saving you, God is in the details. When God saves somebody and rescues somebody, it's amazing how all the details work together. He says, so I get up, and the voice said, Kevin, get up and walk out of the house. Walk down the, the four or five stairs and go to the sidewalk. God knew that that voice knew there was a sidewalk there. He said, when you get the sidewalk, take a, a sharp right. And Kevin, he said, walk the end of the street and stay at the corner of that street and do not move. I said, Kevin, what do you do? He said, I've done crazier things. He says, I got up. I walked out of the crack house, and he's just whatever, flipping out, just took a right and, and walked down the corner. And the moment he got in the corner of that street in Boston, 
across the intersection and meeting them on that corner were leaders and men from the Boston Team Challenge out soul winning on a Friday night. They met Kevin at that corner. Within moments, Kevin was set free from the power of crack cocaine. He said, they told me about Jesus, and they prayed over me. He said, shackles are coming off of me, and I was getting set free. And he said, I accepted Jesus and was baptized in the Spirit on a corner of Boston, Massachusetts, because, man, God saved me at just the right time. If Kevin could walk through one of the doors of your church, he'd say, church, God said to me to get up. At exactly the right moment, he's sending challenge out, traffic in Boston, whatever, Friday night, busy, probably a, a, a home Fenway a Red Sox ball game, and traffic is crazy. But God took care of all the details. God saw they collided at that corner. How come? Because Jesus has a history of rescuing people at just the right time. Uh, Zacchaeus climbs up a sycamore fig tree, and, and Jesus walks to the spot and says, Zach, come on down. I'm having din-din. Get DoorDash working now. I'm going to your house for supper tonight. And a family accepts the Lord as Savior that night at Zacchaeus' house. You look in the Bible, there's so many stories and, uh, where God saved people at just the right time. I want to ask you today, what about you? If you're already a believer and, and, and you're watching online and you're a believer, and by the way, if you're home and underlying conditions, and we're glad you're watching and tuned in, but, but for the rest of you, it's time to come back. Can I get a big amen in the house? With a smile and kindness, and it's time to come back. Can I just say this? If you're in the room or watching online and say, Greg, you know what? You have no idea the sins I've committed, the mess I'm in right now. You've, you've got no idea. I'm sitting in church, and we're kidding ourselves if we think there are not people sitting in our church pews who are living in secret sin far from God. I'm not saying everybody, but my friend, it's Billy Graham said in the last days that one of the most critical mission fields that will have to be reached will be reaching people inside the churches of America. What do you tell somebody that says, look, and I'm sitting here, preach, sweat, spit, talk too fast, do your deal. But my life is a mess. My life is a mess. Listen, I am not minimizing your sin, but I'm magnifying the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, just one drop of the blood of Jesus Christ can set you free and restore you and save you. Yeah, that word, I still like that word, saved. You can become a follower of Jesus Christ. You're never too young and you're never too old for Jesus to make this moment at just the right time. Wouldn't it be amazing for somebody a week, a month from now, should the Lord tarry? Someone says, well, man, how'd you come to Christ? Well, it was a hot day in, in July, and I wasn't going to come. I mean, it's beach, it's lake, it's whatever. And I went to this church. This guy was tall, sweaty, spit, talked way too fast. And, but I felt Jesus touch me. I felt God speaking to me. He was talking to me. I felt this love talking at my heart. I forget what church where we're at in. But there were people watching online. I'm grateful for the online people that watch. Yeah, I, really, I am. And, and, and there was a name that came in that responded for salvation. My cousin, Pammy, that, that didn't go to church, was watching up in Massachusetts. 
in Pammy on a, I forget, a Tuesday or a Wednesday, receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Can I say this? You might be watching this sitting in front of a Wawa having a bacon and egg sandwich and, and coffee that was sitting in that pot probably for several hours, by the way. But, but you're, uh, no, I'm having fun. But you could be sitting in front of Wawa, sitting in front of Starbucks, Starbucks, the best cup of coffee you can buy for $49.95 a cup. You can't beat it. You could be watching this in the craziest place and God's saying to you, today, this is your moment. I'm tugging, I'm drawing, I'm wooing you. When Noah built the ark, it was built at just the right time. Are you with me this morning? It wasn't just built at just the right time, but another lesson, this, this ark that Noah built, it was a God-provided refuge. Noah built the ark, but the ark was God's idea before it was Noah's idea. Genesis 6, 14 says, so make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and cut it with a pitch inside an ale. And God gave instructions, but the ark was God's idea. Uh, you know, I, I was 17 when I accepted the Lord. You've told us too many times a girl asked me to go to church. And I, I just, I'll go wherever you want me to go is what I said to her. I went for, I, I took a shower, put it on my dad's cologne, Old Spice. Somebody say, thank God for Old Spice cologne right now. Come on. And um, I, I wasn't even a believer, but I baptized myself in Old Spice. Sat in that church in Massachusetts for all the wrong reasons. They're getting good with a girl and a mother and father. But that was my night at just the right time. Jesus saved me on a Sunday night. A Sunday night, Jesus Christ saved my... Listen, before my salvation, it, it wasn't, I never thought about these things. Your salvation and my salvation was God's idea before it was our idea. And this is what's amazing for God to love the world. He gave his son. It's basic Bible. But there's a world that's exhausted this morning, church. They're exhausted because they're trying to provide their own salvation. It's epidemic. It's always religion has sent more people to hell than anything else. I've been in, in India with Robin during the Puja Festival, uh, which is worshiping the demonic. And I've watched the sincere people build their idols and, uh, and then bring them down to the river. And they throw them in the river. And they think if that the gods receive their offering in the river, uh, that they'll have favor from their gods. I've watched them, I've heard them beat their chest and scream, hoping in, in these idols that cannot save a mosquito, church. And let me say that when I go to India, I don't go to India and bash all Hindu gods. I go to India to lift up the name of Jesus Christ and to tell people that God loves you on your worst day. That nobody loves you like Jesus does. And so salvation, it's all God. Adam and Eve, man, they fell in the garden and, uh, and they realized their nakedness. And they're, they're taking leaves off of a tree and trying to make coverings. And God says, that's not going to do it. Do you know how many folks in New Jersey are exhausted this morning? Trying to provide their own salvation by being a good person? Our goodness next to Jesus is like filthy rags. We've all sinned. We've all screwed up. We've all blown it, church. We've, I hope that we're not saved so long we forget that, that we actually got saved. And we forget that without Christ we were nothing. But aren't you glad Jesus washed away all of your sins? And that you're, you're new in Christ, the old is gone, and the new is come. That's what he does. There's somebody breathing in this room or watching online. Let me say, Greg, again, preach, sweat, spit, 
I'm so sick and tired of religion and trying to do this and trying to live up to that and trying to do this. And if I wear the right clothes, if I would do this, if I worship the right idol, if I if I do this on the right day or whatever. Listen, the only thing that can save you is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And God provided that by sending his son 2,000 years ago. The, God didn't have to pry Jesus off that, that, that throne seat, but Jesus came like an athlete. He leap from heaven to earth. He suffered for three and a half years on this earth and that was beaten and butchered and bloodied on a cross. All because he loves every person in Shrewsbury, New Jersey, that's in church online, salvation. It's always God's idea. It's God that provides this church. Last thing is this, these lessons about the ark. Not only is it, it, it made in the perfect timing and it was a God-provided refuge. I'm grateful that, that, that we can do nothing to save ourselves. And again, there are people who are exhausted emotionally trying to save themselves. And I'm just saying to you, let go of all that and receive the work of Jesus Christ on the cross 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ loved you so much, he willingly suffered on a cross for your sins and mine. Salvation, it's all God's doing. Can I get a big amen? If you're listening, somebody say ice cream right now. Come on. Oh, man, sometimes ice cream is in the will of God. I believe that with all my heart. We're almost done with this, and we're going to close in prayer in seconds, I promise. But the building of the ark teaches us. God's timing, yes, right on time. God provided, yes. Salvation is God's idea. He comes after us. He seeks and saves the lost. But you need to know this. It was the only refuge. The Lord didn't say to Noah, listen, we've got, we've got problems. People in Jersey, Massachusetts, from, listen, sin is rampant. So look, it built six boats and let's, let's get, I want to just, it was, no, let's build three. There's a marine in Florida. That we, we spent some time in Florida a little bit. People in Florida need Jesus in February. Can I get a big, a big amen? I'll go to Florida in February, but in August they're on their own. I'm, I'm only kidding you, kind of. But in Florida, there's a marina, all these yachts and these boats and whatever. And you, all these, you look at these great boats, it's beautiful. Listen, when Noah built the ark, it was only one boat, there wasn't even two. He said, build a large boat. Why a large boat? Because God wants none to perish, but all to come to repentance. Whether you're ever in the boat or not of salvation, God has a seat with your name on it, my friend. But if you ever get on the ark of salvation, God made space for you. But there's only one boat. And what's amazing, this used to just upset people out in the world. But now there are some church folks. That say we got to open this up because there's many ways to God. I'm sorry. There's only one way. Salvation through one name, the name of Jesus Christ. It says in Acts 4.12, it's Bible, as Kim comes and plays something, salvation is found. And no one else. How, how clear is that? Salvation is, and I know this upsets people. I, I, I get this. I've got friends back in high school days that, that will write me on Facebook, you know, Greg, you're just so off. And, you know, well, you guys, oh, there you go, you church people. There's lots of ways. No, there's not. There is a way which seems right to a person. But the end thereof are the ways of death. Your salvation, it says, in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to mankind 
by which we must be saved. There's only one name. As Kim plays something, there's only one way. There's only, aren't you grateful today? We're not being boastful or cocky or arrogant. Who, who are we to live like that? Apart from him, we do nothing. Apart from him, I'm, I'm just, I'm nothing. Just born in sin, live a wicked life. I mean, that's, that's for all of us. But I'm so glad that at just the right time, I wish I could hear your story over a cup of iced tea, sweet tea. Don't tell me to put sugar in it. That's a work of the devil. You go to a restaurant, give me sweet iced tea. Well, no, we bring it to you, put the sugar. That is a work of the devil. Can I get a big amen in the house? I wish you could be over a sweet, sweet glass of tea. We could sit down and say, man, tell me your story. How did he save you? How did you come to Christ? Sir, how did he save you? Ma'am, your countenance, the love for Christ. I look in this room, how God saved you. Whoa, what a story. What a story. What, a, what grace. I'm glad Noah built that boat and God said, you build, you build a big one because nobody loves people. It wasn't build me a kayak. I got room for three. Build me a, 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 a double kayak. I heard they tip. I don't know. Build, build, me a, build me a large boat. Build me. No, it was build a large boat. And then you and your sons get in. And I'm going to end with this. The days of Noah, we're there right now. And don't get mad at me. I'm not looking to offend people because I've still got tonight's service. I want to keep every friend I can until about 8 o'clock tonight. But some will walk out and go, just, okay, yeah, okay, okay. Let me tell you. We're living in the end times right now, my friend. We are living in the days of Noah right, right this moment, the wickedness, the sin, what used to cause America to blush, America now applauds and cheers. And it breaks the heart of a holy God. It breaks the heart of a holy God. My friends, I don't want any to perish. Build a boat. Make it a big one. I want entire families in that boat. I want nieces and nephews. I want grandma. And by the way, when it comes to God's people, some civil Greg, you know, preach wet spit. We're, we're all God's children. Actually, we're not. If anybody ever told you, look, we're all God's, we are all God's creation. We are all, we've been made in the image of God. But to become one of God's children. And God doesn't have nieces and nephews. God doesn't have grandsons, granddaughters. All that God has is sons and daughters who have come to him by faith in the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The deliverance of Noah. I'm going to end with this. The deliverance of Noah. He got in the boat. He got in the boat. The Bible tells us God wiped out every living thing on the earth, people, livestock, small animals, that chipmunk in my backyard that scourged along the ground. The birds of the sky, all were destroyed. The only people who survived were Noah and those with him in the boat. I'm begging you to hear this. Noah was not saved because he built the boat. Noah was saved because he got in the boat. Noah was not saved because you knew where the boat was. I'm not looking to be a smart aleck, but uh, let's, let's, for the sake of, as we close this, 
This table is the ark for our purposes. This is the ark. This is the ark. I'm sure that you, but some think, you know what, if I just come and maybe kind of brush against the ark, whatever, I'll get in. Or if I just, maybe I even just kind of, maybe kind of, this, this table's kind of high, but I kind of, I, I kind of, I just kind of half, listen, or, or, or something, if I, if, I, if I visit the table or if I can tell people what the table is at 220, is it 220 Sycamore, Sycamore Avenue? And um, I just, that, that's what, the, whatever, something, if I just, if I maybe just kind of visit the thing and be around the thing, and I know the dimensions, and 450 feet long, and, you know, 45 feet high, 75 feet wide, 18, we can know all about the ark and still die and go to hell for all eternity. To be saved, we must get I'll say it like this. If any man be in Christ, Noah in the boat, you and I in Christ. He didn't say if any man be around Christ, anybody be near Christ, anybody visit Christ. If whoever is in Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. And I'm asking you today as a friend, not a visiting preacher. I hope it's a friend. I'm asking you. Are you in the boat? I'm asking you. Are you in the boat? And if you cannot, with, with assurance and with some degree of clarity and assurance, you're not able to say, Greg, I am in because of Jesus. He forgave me. He, he forgave my sin. He came into my heart. I, he, he, I invited him. He only comes by invitation. If you're not able to say with clarity, I know by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ that I'm in the boat. Asking you? I don't think so. I'm done asking people. I'm done. I'm not going to Zimbabwe to ask people in our crusades. But I'll beg them. I'll plead with them. I will plead with them. Time is ticking. The love of God is real. But he wants you to receive the greatest gift ever given and get inside the ark. Noah was saved not because he built it, because he got inside it. I'm going to close with this, so we're going to close in prayer. Please don't tell other churches I stayed on time. I don't want that pressure when I go to their church. Zimbabwe for a festival of Hope Crusade. You're going to see some pictures tonight of Zimbabwe, what God's doing in Zimbabwe. We have our festivals of hope. People come accept Christ. We plant churches across Zimbabwe. The Sunday after the crusade, we have the opening service for the new church. Every night I give an altar call. I bring up the young pastor and his wife and they meet the new converts and he prays for them. I'm on a plane. and He's going to be their pastor. It's a beautiful handoff working together. And, uh, and then Sunday, we invite everybody back that's come to Christ, whoever would want to come. We have a great Sunday morning kickoff. And it was in Stone Ridge, Zimbabwe. People came that first Sunday morning. What an opening service for that new church. Oh, my gosh. The testimonies of healings, demons coming out of people. People being healed, set free, delivered. And one woman came up and gave a testimony. And 
she took us all by surprise. She spoke with great clarity, of course, with a translator. She said, I never attended one night of the festival. I told my husband, I refuse to go to that, that church outreach that's out there in that field where you have staging, big speakers, and the whole life, the whole deal. She says, I will not attend. I'm not going. And she didn't come. She never came to one service, but she said to us through tears, and we were all just so broken as she shared. She was out outside my hut, thatch roof, mud huts and thatch roof, and I was cooking my family dinner and open fire, making the suds like a thicker cream of wheat, their staple food in Zimbabwe. I was cooking my family dinner, and I tried to fight it, but I could hear the sound of the speakers. And I heard the message, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, about his love, about his sacrifice, about his death. And she went on and shared, she, with clarity, the message of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. She said, I did not get saved at the crusade, but I got saved kneeling by an open fire in front of my home. And she says, I am now a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. That woman, two years later, is now a leading member and disciple and follower of Christ in that village. How come? Because she got inside the boat. Asking one last time, and I'm done before they, they take me out of here with handcuffs. I want to ask you, you're going to have lunch in moments. You're going to pound on that breakfast brunch. Come on, somebody say thank you, Jesus. You've already been thinking the last five minutes, am I going to go pancakes? Am I going to go French toast? Pancakes? Am I going to go omelet? Am I going to go lunch? Am I going to go buffet? But God's saying to you, I want you to live. I want you to hope. I want you in the boat. Can we stand all over the room? You've been so kind and you've been so gracious. My goodness, though. We just love coming to this house. Love Pastor Tim and Kim and love being with you. I just want you to stand and and, uh, and just maybe bow your head and close your eyes. Not because we're embarrassed, but just out of reverence and respect for the presence of God. We're going to do two things and then I'm done. Number one, I'm going to count to three. Some of you probably could have guessed that. In the Olympics, it's on your mark. It's get, set, go. Every journey begins with one step. And maybe you're watching online, maybe you're in this room on a gorgeous hot summer morning to say, Greg, I, I've come to church. I've entered the building, but I haven't yet entered the ark. I haven't yet received Jesus Christ as my Savior and as my God. And again, I'm not asking you. I am officially begging you, please don't walk out of this room far from God. Reject him, but receive his love, his mercy. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, Jesus Christ died on that cross, paid the price for our sins, rose up from the dead. And the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The moment I say three, you say, Greg, it's me. Greg, I'm, I'm near the boat, but I'm not in the boat. Greg, I'm near the boat, but I'm not in the boat. When I say three, you say, Greg, I want to be in. I want to be in. Just, just the keys, just for a moment. Just those soft, beautiful keys. The moment I count.